Thanks, Brendan. Uh, just some admin. I'm not used to having a mic in front of my, my face, and I usually use my hands a lot. So if I'm doing this, just tell me to put the mic back there, please. <laughs> um, and then the second bit of admin is I might bore my way through this. So some tissues handy would be really cool. So, yeah. Um, Have you guys seen um, Spa with the water shortages have um, come out with powdered water, actually? I don't know if you've seen it. It's awesome. You just add water. It's cool. Yeah. Anyway, Ada, you can use that one. Where's Ada? Sunday school. Um, so, yeah, we, we're on the, the back end of Easter, but there's a, a whole period of Easter that, that lingers. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go lights. <laughs> Is that Retief, I know you love me, but come on, man, bro. Um, yeah, we're on the back end of Easter, and I, I have to share with you guys, I love Easter. Because for me, um, I think in pictures, and it's such a graphic um, display of, of Jesus, and historically what happened in that time. And um, this, this Easter... We started, um, I can't remember, somebody's uh, preach or sermon triggered me to start reading all the Gospels from the triumphal entry. And um, I was reading all four of the Gospels just over and over again. Um, and you know, in that time, there are all these little things that God showed me. And one of them that stood out at me was John 20, where... Um, Jesus entered this room that was locked. All the disciples were, they were terrified. And we'll, we'll talk about the, that just now. But they were terrified and, and in this locked room. And, and Jesus appeared. And, and he said to them, peace be with you. So once he'd done that, he showed them his, his hands and his side. And he showed them proof. There are a couple of peas coming out here that are going to help us all. So he gave them peace. He showed them proof. And then he said to them, this is going to be your purpose. As, as my Father has sent me, so I'm going to be sending you. So I send you. And so he was giving purpose. And then was the power where he said to them, um, this is my spirit. And, and there's an impartation of his, his spirit to them of sorts. And we'll talk about that just now. But I'm hoping that um, tonight all of us will have a good, good sense um, through what I'm, I'm trusting the Lord has put on my heart that Jesus comes to give us peace. But more than that, he comes to declare his peace upon us. It's a declaration of his peace on us because of what happened on the cross. And, and then it's almost like a, if I think of it this way, because I do think graphically, it's a peace burger. So the, the buns are the peace on the top and the bottom. And, and in between is this empowered action that, that God is, is giving and imparting and expecting. And so... None of what's in the middle can happen with, 
with, without that peace. And so my, my prayer tonight, Lord, is that you would just give us all an understanding of this peace, Lord, that you declare over us, Lord, because of, of the finished work on the cross, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your finished work. And so if there are any of us here that maybe aren't familiar with, with the story, um, the, uh, during the time that Jesus' ministry was starting to gain momentum, yes, there, were, there was a lot of political stuff going on. Um, Jesus had started offending the Jewish authorities and the religious leaders. Um, there was talk of this Messiah and um, his ministry had started gaining momentum, and many of the Jews had started um, understanding that he was the Messiah, but that he was going to come and set them free from, from Roman rule and Roman oppression, and that he was going to sweep into Jerusalem, stamp his authority, take over as, as the Messiah has been um, spoken of in, in many of the Old Testament scriptures, and that the Jews would rule on earth with Jesus. And that was unpalatable for, for the Jewish leaders and the religious authorities. Um, and it didn't happen the way that the Jews expected because Jesus came into Jerusalem on a donkey. And there's a whole, there are probably 400 sermons about that. But he came into Jerusalem on his, on his donkey and he started connecting with people and he was speaking a different language. He was saying things that, that, that people couldn't believe. He was saying things that were offensive to some people. And then the plot began. The plot began to, to murder him. And um, there was a time where, where Jesus met with his disciples. Um, it was the time where he, he washed their feet. And um, he foretold, and he, he said to the guys, this is what's going to happen to me. Um, I'm going to be dying a terrible death. And, and he said to Peter, you're going you're gonna to deny me, pal. And he spoke of his, his betrayal. And they went to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus was praying. And the betrayer came with a crowd. And um, Jesus said to the guys, lads, we need, to, we need to go. It's time. The betrayer's here. And they were confronted by this crowd just a graphic scene of, of what happens there. Peter just whips his sword out and shwak, slices this one guy's ear off, you know, and I can, this is probably not fully scriptural, but in my mind's eye, I could just see Peter going, uh, Jesus going, Peter, come on, man. Like now of all times, you know, and picking up the ear and, and putting it back on. And this, this guy's life being changed forever because he'd been healed by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And, and Jesus was arrested. And the disciples, the disciples ran. They abandoned Jesus. Peter and, and John were lurking in the shadows, close by. And um, they went to the place where Jesus was arrested. Um, Peter was, was let into this place. John was also there already. And already one of the servant girls said to Peter, I've seen you, man. You're the, you're the guy who hangs out with the rabbi. And he's like, no, no, no. Like, Shh. 
not me. And that, that first denial happened. And then Peter's standing around the fire, blending in with the other guys, part of the crowd that had arrested Jesus, blending in, warming his hands, as we do sometimes at the workplace. We blend in. We don't want to be offensive. Hope we don't get noticed. And someone else said, hey, I've seen you. No, 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 no. And again, and of course, um, then it, it, it got to Pilate, and um, Pilate didn't want any of this. There was so much politics at stake. But Pilate said, this guy, what has he done? And, and eventually it got to a point where he said, I don't see anything in this man that warrants this, but I wash my hands of it. And, and um, Jesus was given over um, in place of, of somebody else. And of course, um, what happened on the cross, we're all familiar with, a, a gruesome, gruesome death. And the graphicness of it was just hit home for me um, during this time where, where we, we have a picture of this Jesus nailed to the cross with these massive iron um, pegs and, and suffocating on the cross because the weight of his body asphyxiating him and as his lungs and everything else was pushed together. And just to take a breath, he would have to push himself up on his feet in these pegs and gasp and, and, and eventually... Till it was finished after he, would, after he had said, Lord, just forgive them. And so the disciples found themselves in a place where they knew who they were. A guy like Peter, he, he knew what he'd done. But they were in this place where, where Jesus had been put in the tomb. He'd, he'd, the embalming process had taken place. And um, Mary got to the tomb to probably pay respects or something like that, Mary Magdalene, and the tomb was, was open. And she ran, and she told Peter and John, the tomb has been opened. And then, of course, the whole story with um, Peter and, and John running to the tomb, and, and um, John, the one that Jesus loved. And we sometimes joke about that, but he wasn't that kind of guy that would say, I'm the one that Jesus loved. He didn't even use his own name. And then further to that, he, he spoke about Peter um, running. I, I got there before Peter, um, almost saying Peter was slower than me, but it wasn't that. But John got to the tomb. He looked in. Peter jumped straight in, man. And, um, and of course, they went, they went back after the, witnessing this. And um, Mary hung around. And then when she looked in, she saw these two angels. And then she was um, confronted by Jesus. And um, one of the Gospels... Oh, thanks, Ratif. Yeah, please remind me if I go. Um, one of the Gospels um, speaks about Jesus saying to Mary, get the guys together. I need to see them. And Peter. Isn't that beautiful? And Peter. I know where he is, man. Tell him he's, he's included. And so these disciples found themselves in this room, and they were, they were petrified. They didn't know what was going to happen. And I love that, that they were together. They knew, they knew what, what each other had done. They'd, they'd done stupid things, and they'd let Jesus down, and they were confused, and they were afraid, and they were, there was disbelief, and there were all sorts of things going on. And, um, and that's the place that we find ourselves now, um, tonight, in that room. And um, so I'm, I'm going to start reading from John 20, verse 19 to 23. 
Orchid, bear with me, Brew. I, I might just get um, go way off. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of their Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So we're gonna, this is where we, we're going to be tonight, and a, and a few other scriptures in and out. So maybe if you guys have got Bibles, keep it open on John 20, or scroll, it feels weird saying scroll to John, not turn to John. Um, just keep your phones or something open so that um, Oki doesn't have to keep going back there, because um, this is both our first time, it's going to get confusing. So um, yeah, I just let, so let's just kick off. Um, on that, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, I love that. It's what I was saying just now. The disciples were together. We are together. We know each other, man. We know each other's shortcomings. We see each other. We watch each other. And sometimes we're on the short end of each other, but we're together. We're together, and that's what the disciples were. With the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. And that's us as well. With our doors locked. Even though we are together. Even though I would say us as a congregation or as a Josh Gen community, we're pretty open. Um, it's something that I've, I've not seen in too many other, not that I've been involved in other churches. But um, there's a lot of openness. And yet we still find a way to lock doors. And we stay in there. And this is the, the beautiful thing. Jesus came and stood among them. In that place where we lock the doors that no one else knows about. There's fear. There's all sorts of stuff goes in. Jesus joins us in the midst of that. And so any place, any condition that our heart is in, Anything relating to circumstances, Jesus is in the midst of that. And yet so easily sometimes we forget that. And then we move on. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And this is such a, a beautiful peace be with you. It's a greeting. I think this peace be with you was a shalom. It was a peace be with you. It was a, a way of greeting. It was a way of imparting a goodwill. Peace be with you. Shalom. And I think he, he did that as a way of greeting, as he would have. They would have greeted each other. He would have made himself familiar to them in that peace be with you. But he would have also known the torment that they were in. And I think he would have said to them, settle down, lads. You know, just, just settle down. Settle down. It's going to be okay. Peace be with you. Shalom. But yo, there's more. After this, he showed them his hands and sighed. He gave proof. 
And John is full of this, by the way, unbelief. The Gospel of John is full of people's unbelief. He speaks a lot about it. Your and my unbelief. And Jesus knew that the disciples were struggling with this. Even though they'd walked so closely with him for three years, give and take. And he said to them, see, see. It wasn't just Thomas. Thomas wasn't there. There was another meeting later on where um, Jesus met with Thomas and the disciples. And he was able to say to Thomas, put your hand in. And then there was a later meeting with Jesus and the disciples where there was a fish braai. And I knew that was where John, Josh Jen was started, on that beach over a fish braai. Um, but anyway, we're not going to talk about that tonight. Um, so Jesus, Jesus showed them his hands. And, and this, I, I love almost every song that we sang tonight was about this love that is alive in, in showing the disciples his hands and his side. He was saying to them, I'm alive. My love is alive. And this is, so often we refer to the cross, but, but often not as much as to the resurrection of Jesus. His love that is alive and he, it's alive in us. It's alive in us. And it's alive in the disciples. This love that is alive. He showed them because they were worth it. These guys that had abandoned him. Peter that had betrayed him. Guys that had done so many dwarf things in the three years. Oh, that's my phone, I think. Is it? No, it's not. Yo, that would have been bad. Because I usually impose a fine at this point. Like, whose phone is it? Ten rand fine or whatever. But anyway. No, it's not mine. It's not mine. Ah, it's Jackie's. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no, it's not mine. Um, so he, he showed them his hands. This is, this is Jesus alive. And appearing and showing to people like you and I, who, man, we doff sometimes. We don't get it so often. We miss the point. We jump on the wagon and go that way when Jesus is going this way. And yet he showed, he showed the hands and he showed the, the side. But now we're getting to the part that I believe is it's huge. Um, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. This is not it yet. They were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, going to the next verse. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. I think this peace was different to the first peace. It wasn't the same piece. The first piece was settle down, boys. Settle down. I'm here. Shalom. This piece is a declaration. I, I just have such a sense that Jesus was saying, because of what has just happened, I can say to you, peace be with you. And this is the thing of it. The condition that, that we perhaps have before found ourselves in, 
our condition as people that without God are at war with God. People that don't know Jesus are at war with God. The Bible speaks about being at enmity with Him. We're at war with God. That is insane that we would be at war with God because of our sinfulness. At war with God. We are hostile towards God. And when you are not with somebody, when you, when you aren't at, at peace with them, you are hostile towards them. You're at war with them. And Jesus said to the disciples, peace be with you. We're at peace. And one of the places that, um, that I find this is, is really pushed hard is in Romans. Because Paul understood this. He knows that, that, that sin brings about separation with God. And yet we've been saved from that. Many of us in this room have been saved. We've been rescued because we've been reconciled to God through what Jesus did. We've been rescued. But this is, this is where I believe sometimes we struggle. Many of us, we come to a place of, of um, repentance. We, we, seek, we seek Jesus and there's forgiveness and we give our lives to Jesus and we surrender. And there's almost a euphoria that goes with that. We, we find this, this unspeakable joy in us. And then the world takes over, man. Monday morning, we're back at work. And we've got to deal with people. We've got to deal with, with um, our environment. And, and slowly, those feelings start waning. And we become frustrated. And, and then often, we, we seek one spiritual high after the next spiritual high. To get that feeling back. And I'm not, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that it's, feeling doesn't matter because feelings are important. But there comes a time, church, where this, this peace and an understanding of what we have been rescued from, when that is, is cemented into a solid understanding, then then. It's almost like the feelings don't matter because we have this assurance. This blessed assurance that, that some of the people of old sang about. Blessed assurance because I understand. I understand what Jesus did for me. And I just want to look at that quickly. Um, um, Paul writes in Romans 3 verse 10 to 18. He makes reference to a few Psalms, I think Isaiah, some of the Old Testament scriptures. And he says, as it is written. He's speaking about our condition without God. He says, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The, the poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Paul gives a pretty grim picture here. Like the bad news is really bad. Um, and I just want to slowly unpack this without going into it too much. But I think it's worth lingering on this. 
because I believe when we have a really solid understanding of what we've been rescued from, we'll have a better understanding of this immense grace of God and this mercy of God that He would set us free from this. This is insane. So there is no one righteous, not even one. But by nature, we aren't righteous. We don't automatically do what is right. But it, it doesn't mean that we're incapable of doing good things or that we don't try to do good things. But the Bible, the Bible speaks and measures us, actually, against the righteousness of God. That's, that's what the Bible measures us against. And, and the bar is high. Seriously, the bar is high. You, you cannot go higher. Um, unfortunately, we, we seem to embrace something else. We embrace our own lusts, whatever satisfies us, our own whims. That's what we embrace, and not always righteousness. Um, there is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. We're talking about a spiritual understanding. Um, yeah, and, and we, have, we have religious instincts. But it's not always about us seeking God in a, in, a pure, in a pure way. It often comes with buts or on my terms. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. All have turned away. The action is ours. It's our action. We've turned away doesn't mean that we are worthless people. It just means that our attempts at connecting with God is almost futile, worthless in our own strength. And then their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. This is a, a consequence of living without righteousness and understanding, and it manifests in relationships, the way we speak to each other, the things we say to each other, the, the poison of vipers is on our lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. I mean, uh, if you just think about our world, the war, the, the misery, the strife that, that happens, this is, this is presenting a picture of that. So the, the bad news is really bad, and we're in a hopeless situation. But that's not all. The, serious, the seriousness of this is that it is under God's judgment. There's another world to come after this. And for people who are born and die without accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, will be banished to an eternity without God. Without his presence. But becoming Christians changes our status. <laughs> That's, that is so awesome. Becoming Christians changes our status. Um, and as we, as we chew on these words, as we think about these words that we've just spoken now and the seriousness thereof, let's start thinking about God's solution to all of this. What was his solution? And I want to read from Romans 3, verse 21 to 24. 
But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified. That word will come up again just now. All are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Freely, but man, at great cost. At, at great cost to Jesus. So to be accepted by God, we have to be as righteous as He is. Anything less, actually, than perfection is unacceptable. That's the reality of it. But God provided righteousness through His Son, Jesus Christ. And we sang about that tonight. There was this beautiful exchange that took place on the cross and through His blood where our unrighteousness settled on Jesus and He took that on Himself and His righteousness fell on us in that moment. What a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing when we surrender to Jesus. All our sin, all our sin is taken away. Are we worthy? No. But what God has done through Jesus is for unworthy people like you and I. Does it happen automatically? No. Is it true of all people? This freedom? No. Because not everybody accepts Christ as their Lord and Savior. But for those that have, there's freedom. For those that have, there is peace. And it's just as if we have never sinned. Justified. Just as if I had never sinned. Romans 5 verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. God declares us to be just. He sets us free from accusations, And accusations of sin and perfection. And this doesn't mean that we're perfect in our daily living. It doesn't mean that we're perfect in our daily living. It means that God no longer holds His sin against us. Or holds our sin against us. We struggle, man. But because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross, that is no longer held against us. Will we be judged? Yep. But there is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. We'll face judgment. But there is no condemnation. Romans 4 verse 6 to 8. Um, Paul in this um, scripture is speaking. He's speaking what um, David had spoken of. And he says this. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them again. What a wonderful scripture. Whose sins are covered. But you and I, we go back to the sins. And it, it's, it's quite amazing. This word covered is used three times in the Old Testament. The one was where um, 
Moses had too much to drink and he was lying naked. Um, there was shame, there were all sorts of stuff going on and his two sons came and covered him. Same word. Oh, was it, what did I say? Did I say Noah? Oh, did I say Moses? <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, thank you. So um, that sin and that shame was covered. Isn't that wonderful? There was another account where that same word covered is used when, um, when the, the Israelites were, were being pursued by the Egyptians. And there was this amazing parting of the Red Sea. Um, Israelites made it through and the Egyptians were covered by the water. The violence of it, the shame that the, the Israelites experienced in slavery, all of that was covered. And then the last one is quite graphic. Um, and it's crazy that the God of the universe should, should address us in such detail. But um, when the, the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness, not the garden route, the wilderness, they were, they were, it was in the desert of Sinai. Um, he, you're now distracted myself. <laughs> anyway, um, they were wandering in the wilderness and God said to them, when you set up camp, there's so many of you, go to the outskirts of the camp and do your business there. But take a tool with you that can be used as a digging instrument. So make a hole, do your business, and then cover it. This is how graphic it is. The portaloo, that's got nothing on this stuff. <laughs> and, and so God was saying, do your business and bury it, covered. The same, the same word that, that Paul uses to describe how our sins have been covered. Imagine how disgusting and disgraceful it is if the Israelites went back to the outskirts of the camp and dug stuff up again. What do you think God's response would be? Ew, like, I don't even know. <laughs> we laugh. That's what we do. We go back. We, we, we ask God to, to make space in our hearts for Him. And, and then we fill it up with all sorts of other stuff. And we say, Lord, I, I, I release this to you and I give it to you. And, then he, and He does. And then we go back and fetch it. And we bring it back again. And we struggle with this. Sure, I've gone completely wayward of my notes, but that's fine. Um, back to Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God because of what Jesus did. Um, Paul, Paul says in Ephesians, um, he explains it like this. He says, he, Jesus, this is in Ephesians 2 verse 14 to 18. He himself is our peace, who has made us both one, that's Jew and Gentile, and reconciled us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Oh, man. Killing hostility. We have peace. And, and now, let's go back to John. 
when Jesus walks into that room and he declares to the disciples, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Not because of anything that you did, by the way, but peace be with you. It's a declaration because of the work that I've just done on the cross. Look, look, it's finished. Peace, peace be with you. Freedom. Free men and women because of what Jesus did on the cross. How do we receive this? Well, it's a gift. It's a gift. And, and many will not accept this. It's unpalatable for many. We hear it all the time. Some will walk away from that. Some will walk away from Jesus. But he offers it to us. And so I want to ask us, you and I, what is it that holds us back? What is it that, that stops us from presenting ourselves as free people? What is it that stops us from being able to empty ourselves fully and surrender to God? I just have a sense from our worship this morning that Jesus wants to say to you and I, peace be with you. as men and women who struggle with stuff sometimes and battle with things and we see ourselves as not worthy. Lord, I'm doing it physically, but inside I know I'm not worthy of this and you will, you don't even see me, Lord. And I have a sense that Jesus is saying to you, peace be with you. To the moms who've got little kids who can't even find time to, to say amen after they've prayed, or they, they're quickly sneaking a little prayer on the loo, and perhaps feel guilty because there's been no intimacy with the Lord. I have a sense that Jesus is saying to you, peace be with you. To the young men who stand on the outskirts and watch, as the important people, do all sorts of things in front here and feel, why doesn't that happen to me? Why? Or, or perhaps I want to, but there's, there's something in me that doesn't measure up. I have a sense that Jesus is saying to you, peace, peace be with you. You young people who feel that you, you, you don't cut it, man. Jesus is saying to you, peace be with you. And sometimes those of us who have been hurt by our parents' stuff and we're carrying things that keep coming back and it's, we see ourselves as, as, as not worthy of, of even coming to God's presence and we're not, but he, he wants us to come in. To you, he says, peace be with you. So yo, I almost want to stop there. There's more. There's more to come. There's, there's, um, there's power and there's purpose. But I, maybe we can just pause. Where are we on that? 
Where are we when Jesus looks at us and says, peace be with you? Do we accept that? Do we believe it? I don't know if there's anybody here that doesn't know Jesus. If I, if I look around the room, I'm, I'm not sure if there's somebody that has not yet accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But Jesus wants to extend his peace to you. Because right now, there's not a, a togetherness. He, went, he wants to be reconciled to you. And the work of the cross has happened already. We just have to say, yes, I accept that. And I want to turn away from my sins. Please help me. I can't do it on my own. I don't know if there's anybody like that in this room. But perhaps if we, if we end the service tonight, a little bit later on, there'll be an opportunity for you to come forward and, and say to anybody, I, I reckon most people in this, in this room, if you said to them, I don't think I know Jesus, and I want to experience that peace, and I want to accept that declaration of peace over me, do it tonight. Please don't leave tonight at war with God. Please. And then for those of us that keep going back, man, we keep going back and we don't, we don't experience this fullness. Tonight, there's an opportunity to, to thank Jesus and to, to believe Him when He says, look, peace be with you. And so, I think I just want to whip over the next um, two points quickly because it's quite important. Um, so, we, we're back to John 20. And this is where he's speaking about purpose. He says, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And the reality is, the order here is so, so, so important. There has to be peace first. If there's no peace, there's no purpose. Some of us who do not have peace, we try and go straight to the purpose. And, and it becomes works. If I do stuff, if people see me doing stuff, then that'll be good. But no, we have to get the order right. First the peace. And then we move on to the purpose where he says, as my Father has sent me, so I send you. And he says that to the disciples, man. They were muchus. <laughs> I don't even know where that word came from. I think springs. It's a springs word. <laughs> but, but they were. But, but he says to them, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. And he says, Peter, I'm going to build my church on you. You're the rock, man. And the gates of hell will not prevail against that. Yeah, there's, um, there's a book I'm just thinking about now, written by um, a guy called John Stott. And it's called um, Living Church, The Living Church. He speaks about this U-turn that happens, this divine U-turn, where you and I are called out of the darkness. God calls us out of the darkness into the light. And, and that light is to Him. He's the light. And in that light exists this community. And that's where all the one another stuff happens. 
All those scriptures about one another's happen there. You call out of the darkness into this light, and it's that one another stuff. We build one another. We encourage one another on. We spur each other on. We fan into flame things. And then this U-turn starts taking place. And we go back into the world. Back into the darkness. Church, do we get stuck sometimes here? Do we? I was saying to Jax, would it be confrontational if I said, is it possible that we get stuck here? And it's vitally important. Don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that, that, that one another, all those, those things, it's scriptural. God calls us into this community. But he, he, he wants us out of our discomfort and to go back into the world because if no one reaches, no one gets saved. That's the reality of it. And there are people that we sit next to at work that have no clue what peace is. That's the reality of it. As the Father sent me, so I send you. But this is the awesome part. John 20 verse 21. And with that he breathed on them and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now some, I know some of the commentators and Clever guys get, um, they argue about this versus Pentecost and that kind of thing. But, but I believe Jesus was, was wanting them to receive his spirit because he knew they did not have the wherewithal to, to accomplish this mission, this incredible mission that he, was, that he was calling them to, to go into the world. And so he says, I give you my spirit. And um, there are a few things that we could almost liken this to. The one is where um, God breathed into Adam and, and there was life. And um, there was another um, one, I think it was in Ezekiel. Um, it was Ezekiel with the dry bones where, where God said to Ezekiel, prophesy and, and I will breathe into those dry bones and they will come to life. And I believe that's what he wanted to impart to the disciples. He wanted to breathe. He wanted to breathe his spirit into them so that they could do this something new, something that, that they may have even been unfamiliar um, towards. But there's something else. I, I believe part of this, this breathing of the spirit speaks ownership. Um, in Ephesians... Paul speaks about the seal of the Spirit that is on the heart of the believer. When we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, His Spirit comes into us and we have the seal of the Spirit. It's a seal of ownership. Have you guys ever looked for a picture on Google, on images, and you get a picture that comes up and it's got, you, like I can use this, and it's got a watermark on it. You, it's, it's something that, you can see the picture, but in the background it's got this thing, and it usually says, no print or... It, it shows ownership of that picture. Somebody owns the picture. You can see it by that stamp on it. And we can be seen as people that, that are owned by God. Tonight we, we, we sung, Lord, empty me. Make room. I want to make room for you. But this God says, in my house there are many rooms. Not, not only do I stamp the seal of the Spirit on your heart that makes you visible to me 
and to other Christians. He says, I adopt you as children into my family. And in my house, there are many rooms. That's why you need to go. I'm sending you. My house has got many rooms. Because God has got a heart for the lost. And then, of course, um, there's, he finishes off by saying, um, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And I must say, I struggled with this one. Eh? Um, I, I think some, some churches maybe have got it wrong where they feel that um, certain priests can forgive sins and that kind of thing. The only one that can forgive sins is Jesus. And um, last week I came across a scripture that I've never seen before like this. Um, and it's 2 Corinthians 2 verse 16. This, I, I can't read it enough and be blown away more every time I read it. But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the, to the one we are an aroma that brings death to the other, an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Isn't that beautiful? Where he says we carry an aroma. We carry an aroma into the world. And almost without doing anything, people will recognize. People will recognize that they're either saved or they're not saved. And so it's not us that, that says, you are forgiven. Jesus is the only one that, that can forgive sins. But when we proclaim the gospel, as Peter did with Cornelius, when we proclaim the gospel, you will know that you are saved. Wow. We carry the aroma. You and I. What a task that, we've been, that, that has been handed to us. Where, where this love of Jesus sets us free. He gives us proof because he recognizes our unbelief. And then he gives us a purpose that is insane. But he knows we don't have the wherewithal to do it. And so he says, here, here, my spirit. And of course, we know what happened at Pentecost. And you and I are here because of, of the sending. And I pray that, that many, many other people would, would respond because of what we, how we have responded to the sending. I, I can't say this scientifically or accurately, but I think if the church, the, the church was obedient to that call, it's possible that Jesus would have come a long time ago because people would have been Everybody would have heard the gospel in the whole world. But why not? Is it because the church are ineffective? Maybe we stuck around the bra. Not that brying is not important. 
And so, friends, I, I think there's a, there's a response at some level for all of us here. I, I was so challenged preparing this, and even as I'm speaking, I, there's a feeling of inadequacy because of the weight of this. Where do we stand in terms of Jesus saying, peace be with you? Do we avail ourselves to being completely filled and completely used by Jesus? Yeah, and I think let's, maybe we, Jamie, if we, if, I don't know what you guys are feeling, um, Benny, Bob, and John, perhaps if we, if we go into a time of worship, and if, if, if you feel that you'd like somebody to, to pray with you, Perhaps, perhaps you don't feel reassurance or you don't have the assurance, that blessed assurance. Perhaps there's doubt in you. Um, if that is you, uh, during worship, come and, and share that with somebody. If, if you feel that um, you, don't, you don't know what this piece is, you can't, you can't associate yourself to that, then, then please don't go tonight. Amen. So, Father, we, we ask, God, that, that you would have your way tonight, Lord. That you would penetrate the depths of our hearts, Lord God, just like those locked rooms. That you would come in, Lord. That you would impart something beautiful of yourself, Lord. The one who sacrificed himself to set us free from our sin. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you that because of that, Lord, that you can declare your peace over us. That you would trust us enough, Lord, to send us. Thank you that you fill us with your spirit, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Help us to surrender, Lord to surrender everything to you. Everything to you, Lord. We lay down our fears, Lord. We lay down our burdens. We lay down our anger, God. We lay down our confusion. We lay down our fatigue. We lay down everything to you, Lord everything in Jesus' name. Amen. So just in response to that, if you're feeling that you don't have the peace of the Lord, that you come to the front, we pray for you. Because there is something that the Holy Spirit does in that. That as that peace, it's the peace that God, Jesus said, I'll leave you. And if you don't have that peace, the question you need to ask is, why don't you have that peace? There's a wrestling in you. Come before him tonight. It's, it's about God has reconciled us. If there's an, a wrestling that's taking place, that we respond to the Spirit this evening because we haven't handed ourselves over to him in God making that peace with us. And so just come and respond to him. We're just going to go into worship just take this moment just to reflect in your own heart. Where are you? Is there things that you've been wrestling with 
even with the Lord, that you haven't actually laid down at the cross. Um, because like Sean says, you can't go as a son until you've found that peace in your own heart. You know, the Bible says to all those who believe, to them he gave the right. And that word right isn't, it actually comes with power. Some versions will say he gave the power to become sons. And you know, when you walk into the world, you walk with an authority that you're a son. You walk with the authority that God has given me and with boldness because you have peace with God and there is no fear. The only fear you have is of the Lord really and it's a, it's a godly fear and that's what casts out, you know, it's our love for the Lord that casts out the fear that, that the world can bring. And so maybe you're even hesitant in the sense of witnessing to others because as you're talking, as you listen to Sean, how many other disciples think of Peter no, Lord, I deny you. I deny you. How many times have you been in that place where you've denied the Lord before those around you? And it's because there's a, there's a fear of man in you. And so even that, that you come tonight, allow God's Spirit to witness with you because he wants, He's given us the right to become sons and to walk in what He has for us. But we can't do it in our own strength. We can't do it in our own wisdom. We can't do it in our own power. We've got to do it through the Holy Spirit. And so... Let God come and touch you this evening. Come and witness. Let Him witness with you this evening as you just. So, can we just take this, this song and just worship Him? And in that, just respond to the Lord. You don't respond to me, just respond to Him. So, let's stand and just, let's just worship Him.